weeks ago talking on this subject of what's next. Have you ever asked that question? Have, have you ever had that? You know, let, let me do it this way. How many of you remember when you first got married? All right, some of you just did, so I hope you raised your hand. You, you know, you go on the honeymoon. Wasn't the honeymoon just, I mean, it was just great and wonderful, and wherever you went, if it was, you know, you went to Finger or you went to Tahiti, it, right? Uh, but, but how many of you know you didn't live there? You, you, you did? You had to come back home, right? And then you had to figure out what's next and how does this life. And, and that's what life is about. Life is always about this what's next. And, and we begin this series and, and been talking about following Jesus fearlessly with all of our heart, with all of our passion, with all of our desires that we have sold out to the kingdom of God and to the righteousness of God to say, God, we're going to go with you. So would you take your Bibles today? Our foundation scripture has been Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 24 and 25. So would you turn there, and as you're doing that, let me say good morning to all of the campuses today. We are glad you're with us. I'm excited to be able to join with you today. We really are one church with multiple locations, and I'm thankful today that you're there getting ready to hear the Word of God, and I believe that God has something for you, whether you're in Cordova or Craneville or Henderson or Savannah. We believe God's going to speak to you today as we go into the Word of the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 24 and 25, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Now, we begin this whole process talking. Each, each week, we've talked on a different subject. We've had just a one-word title. The first week, we talked about salvation. If I'm going to follow Jesus fearlessly, how am I going to do that? Well, first of all, I've got to come into a place of salvation. I've got to get to that place where I am following after him. So we talked about sin. We talked about what sin does to our life. And then we talked about how that we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second week, we talked about imitation. The book of Ephesians tells us in the fifth chapter that you and I are to be imitators of Jesus Christ. And so we, we found that in our life, as, as in the natural with our children, our children learn uh, how to live and what to do and whatever by imitating us. It's the same way in our lives and our relationship with Jesus Christ that we have to learn how to be imitators of the Lord. And so we find ourselves moving in this process. And then last week, we talked about consecration. 
And we talked about how that you needed to be rooted and grounded in a local house and what would happen to your life according to Scripture as you were consecrated to the things of God. Today, we're going to talk about dedication. Now, a lot of people kind of confuse those two words, consecration, dedication. They sound, you know, a lot alike. We kind of have the idea that they are. Let me just try to clear it up by saying it this way. Consecration is what is done to me. The Word of God says that they took the vessels of the tabernacle and they set them apart for the Lord. They did something to them. The king was anointed. Something was done to him. And so that's what consecration is. Dedication is something that I do myself so that I can find myself living in a greater dimension of spiritual freedom and spiritual anointing. And so today we're, go we're going to move. Remember, what's next? Following Jesus fearlessly. So salvation got us started. Imitation, we begin the process. Uh, last week, consecration, we begin to understand how to be rooted and planted. But today we're going to talk about dedication. Now here's the definition of the word dedication. It means to be devoted totally to something or someone. Now, how many of you know that in life you need to be dedicated to some things? Amen? I mean, you really do. In our lives, we need to be dedicated. Here's what dedication is. Dedication is the act of laying aside my personal desires, those things that I want, those things that I desire, so that I can achieve something that I deem to be of greater value. In other words, I will give up some things so that I can get something else. How many of you know that right now we're in the season leading up to the Olympics, right? And, and how many of you know if you are going to be an Olympian, you're going to have to dedicate yourself to some things? I mean, if, if, if you're going to be uh, a world-class sprinter or a world-class uh, whatever, there, there are some things that you are going to have to dedicate yourself to. I mean, if, if you want to win uh, the race and in the Olympics, you, you can't be a three- or four-pack-a-day smoker. Right? Because, I mean, your wind's gone real quick. You're, you're going to get about, you know, three, three steps out of the starting block, and, and you're going to need to pull over and, and light one up. So, so, oh, come on. And, and, and so you, you have to dedicate. You have to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give this up. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be involved in that. That's what dedication is. And, and interestingly, when you, when you begin to study through the years in, in Olympic trials and, and then the Olympics themselves, you will find out that a lot of times it is almost a microsecond difference between the person who gets a medal and the person who goes home empty-handed. And yet, they are willing sometimes to dedicate 8, 10, 12, 20 years of their life just to have that one fleeting moment to run across the line, to stand upon a podium, to have a medal placed upon their neck, to say, I have won in the Olympics. So that's dedication. That's what we have to do sometimes. How many of you know that when you decide you're going to be a parent, uh, being a parent takes some dedication? I mean, there, there are some things that you have to start doing differently when you have children in your house. You got to move some stuff up. You got to lock some things down. You got to, you know, you got to. I remember going and buying those things that you put in the plugs. You know, when our kids were little, because I don't know, kids just have a way of liking to stick things in those plugs. And so they told us, cover those up. I said, why? They said, you need to do that. I said, well, you know, it's a whole lot of trouble. You know, they'll just create a lightning show if they stick something in there. My wife did not bear witness. 
right? So, so you, you, you have to dedicate yourself. You, you have to dedicate, if you want your children to go to college, you've got to dedicate yourself, you know, to trying to figure out how to make that happen or whatever it is. So, so being a parent takes dedication. In our lives as believers in, in any kind of ministry, and let me help you here, not just people who stand on a stage or in ministry, the Word of God lets us know we're all in ministry. All right, And so for us to achieve what God's called us to do, it's going to take some dedication in our life. We've, we've got to decide what is it that we want to do, what is it that we really are willing to lay aside. I might like this, I might enjoy this, but I'm willing to lay that aside so that I can achieve something that I believe is of greater value to my life. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of 1 Corinthians, if you would, today, uh, because we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's writing there. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and, and he, he's dealing with a subject that you and I, I doubt if we've ever dealt with. He's dealing with a subject we'll, we'll read in just a few minutes, beginning in the 23rd verse and on down, uh, the 10th chapter. But he's, he's dealing with the aspect of meat offered to idols. Now, I don't know the last time that you were at the grocery store uh, when you went to buy meat. I don't know if you called the butcher over and said, hey, guy, was this offered to an idol? I, I, you know, where, where's your non-idol section? I, I doubt if you, I mean, I've never done that. I've, you know, I've lived a long time. I've never gone into the store wondering where was the idol meat and the non-idol meat. But this is what they were dealing with there. And, and so the Apostle Paul begins to give them some guidelines. He begins to lay out some principles that they can live by. Here's what I want to tell you today. There are some things in the Word of God that are just clear. I mean, God just writes them down and he says, this is how I want you to live. I don't want you to lie. So I, I can't say, well, should I lie or not? No, the Word of God says, thou shalt not what? lie just don't do it uh you know well should i commit adultery should i commit a little bit of adultery should i commit a whole lot of adultery boy it gets quiet no the word of god just tells us clearly don't commit adultery don't commit murder don't i mean it just you know it lays all these things out and so when we read that there's no question we don't have to go through a whole lot of things but there are other aspects of life that you and I don't have an answer to. You know, do we buy this house? Uh, do I marry this person? Uh, what, what do I do? I mean, there are a lot of things in life that the Scripture doesn't specifically address, but here's what I found. The Word of God gives us direction. It gives us principles of how to live, and if you and I can take those principles, then we can in, find ourselves living at a higher level. So today, I'm going to kind of turn this thing on its head a little bit, I'm going to give you five questions that I think that you need to ask yourself when you are facing one of those situations. When you don't know what the Word of God is saying, when you don't have a clear picture of whether or not, should I do this, should I not do this, should I go here, should I not go there, then, then the Scripture gives us some principles, and I'm going to phrase those in questions for you today so that as your life is lived out, that you can begin to see what God would say to you. Look in the 23rd verse, and, and let's, let's look at that. Here's what the Apostle Paul, I, the Apostle Paul says something, the first uh, three words here are mind-boggling. Are, are you there yet? You got your Bible open or, or whatever? Uh, you got whatever device you've got it downloaded on. Watch what he says. I'm reading out of the New International Version. But he says, everything is permissible. 
Now, now some of you just say, praise God, man, I'm glad, I want to get out of here. <laughs> Preacher just told me that the Apostle Paul said I could do anything I wanted to, and that's, that is, he's, let's read it again, everything is permissible. Wow, really? Everything? Yeah, everything is permissible, but let's read on. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So now, here's, here's the first question. The first question is, is it beneficial? If I'm facing something, if I'm going through something, if I'm at a certain point of life, is it beneficial for me to take that step, to do that thing or whatever it is, or am I, I, am I going to bring something into my life that's not going to be beneficial and that's going to be destructive instead of constructive? How often we live life allowing things to happen and doing things that are destructive. We, we, we live patterns of life, and we know at the moment that we're doing it, we know it's destructive. Ha, have you ever been in... Um, I want to phrase this right. I don't want to say if you've ever been in an argument with somebody, but have you ever been in an intense fellowship with somebody? <laughs> Un understand? I mean, you, you're, you're at that moment, and, and you know before you say what you're going to say that you shouldn't say it. Right? Now, don't raise your hand. I'll just look at the camera and talk to the campuses, all right? There are those moments, we, we know it's going to be destructive, but there is something inside of us that says, I'm going to say it anyway. I'll tell them what I think. Well, the Apostle Paul said, listen, at that moment, you need to stop and say, is this beneficial? I, I mean, in our lifestyle, in every aspect of life, I, I have found that, that there are a lot of things that are permissible for me. I, I, I've, through the past few years, been doing some some testing of my body at different times with, you know, going to the doctor and all that. And, and I found out that my cholesterol was too high. And so they put me on some medication and told me to change my eating. And I, I, I well, I thought about it. <laughs> I did a little for a while. And, and then I went back the next year and, and I did the same test again. And they came back and they said, well, your cholesterol is down some. And he's, he's actually here. Anyway, uh, he, he said, your cholesterol is down some, but your bad cholesterol is still too high. He said, here's the question. Have you been eating right? Now, I wanted to lie. <laughs> right there in my office, right over there. I want to just say, well, of course. You know, I've been eating, you know, those grilled nasty chicken breasts. Come on, you, you know chicken isn't good unless it's deep fried. I, I mean, it's, it's got to be fried and breaded and dropped down in there and bubbling up. Come on, I mean, that, that, that grill stuff, I don't care what you put on it. It still tastes rubbery and it's, right? I mean, come on, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a southern boy. We, we fry everything. We fry Oreos and Twinkies and Ding Dongs. And... And I said, well, you know, not really. He said, well, okay, we're going to up the medication, but you really need to lose some weight and you really need to do. And, and all those things, can I do it? It's permissible. Nobody can stop me. Nobody's going to come along and yank the fork out of my hand, and if you do, I'm going to yank it back. <laughs> That's not going to happen, but, but I need to understand, is this beneficial for my lifestyle? If I want to live to be, you know, a lot older than I am now, and I want to be healthy, and I want my heart to be functioning properly, am I willing to, at that moment, to back away from something I may enjoy? You know, a moment on the lips and forever on the hips. 
come on. You know, and so, and so you have to come to that place of saying, wait a minute, is this beneficial? Secondly, look in verse 24, and then we're going to jump down to verse 31 and 32. He says, nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. And then verse 31 and 32, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Now, I don't know if that's the church of God in Anderson, Indiana, or the church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee, but he just said, don't do it, okay? Now watch. The second question is this, am I living selflessly, not selfishly, selflessly? He said, nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. Now think about this for a minute. How much trouble in the world, how much trouble in our marriages, how many issues in our families or even in our jobs would be stopped if we lived selflessly? In other words, living for someone else, living out of not what I want. You remember Jesus in the, in the garden? The, the Word of God says that in the garden, uh, he began to pray and he began to sweat and, and all the things that happened there and there's great drops of blood. And then the Bible says, though, that he prayed. He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, but not my will be done, but your will be done. And that's what it means to live selflessly, not out of what I want. Listen, there are a lot of things that I want that are not good for someone else. I, I will help you. If you want to have a better marriage, start living selflessly. See, I just did all the counseling I want to do. Right? Because if you'll do that, it'll fix your marriage. If you're having trouble in, in interpersonal dynamics at work, start living selflessly. If, if you're having trouble in church, start living selflessly. If we could come to an understanding today of what it means to live selflessly, then you and I could begin to live a life that's dedicated and called to the kingdom of God. And so God spoke that to us, and he said, here's how you'll live. You're to live selflessly. The third thing is found in the 28th and 29th verses. He said, but if anyone says to you, this has been offered to an idol. Now, remember talking about this meat. This has been offered in sacrifice. Then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake. The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours, for why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? Now, I know what we think. We say, well, praise God, I can do anything I want to. It's about my conscience. It's not about somebody else's. But when you begin to study the Scripture, what you find is, is that the Word of God talks about how that you and I can sear our conscience. The scripture talks about it, it's like with a hot iron. It, it's like where, where the first time it bothers you, the second time it bothers you a little less, the third time it bothers a little less, the 15th time it's less, and the thousandth time it's kind of like, oh, it's okay. Oh, wow. Are you ready? See, we, we have been shaped by our society. We have, been sh we have been put into a mold by society. We have come to the place, listen to me, we have come to the place where in the life of the believer that there's not much difference between the way we live our life and the world lives its life. 
we have given ourselves into the frog in the kettle mentality. Now, here's what that means. They tell us, people who have researched this, that if you can put a frog in water at temperature of their body, and you can raise that one degree in a graduated way, and that frog will literally sit there until you boil it and cook it, and it's dead. I believe with all of my heart, and I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to get in your business I believe with all of my heart that we have allowed society to impact the church to such a level that we no longer are dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ the way that we ought to be. We have allowed our consciences to be seared. The, the question that you have to ask yourself at this moment is, will it weaken my conscience? Because if it weakens my conscience, then I have to be willing to say, I'm not going to do this. Now, it's, it's easy for us to kind of identify this. When I was growing up, I'm a child of the 70s. There was a comedian named George Carlin. Those of you my age remember George Carlin. George Carlin put out a CD. No, he didn't. George Carlin put out an 8-track. Y'all remember those? <laughs> George Carlin, and, and here's what he, he, he did a routine on the seven dirty words you can't say on television. And he used every one of them. And that, now we're all praying, holy, holy, holy. I see what you're doing. I've never heard that. You lie, you fry. <laughs> all right? But that was in the early 70s. As we have lived over the past several years, we have noticed that over the past 40 years, a lot of things that you couldn't say, a lot of things you couldn't see, a lot of things that were uh, risque and put on the back burner somewhere or you had to go to an off-the-wall movie house or whatever, now all of a sudden is in your house. And here's what we say. Well, you know, pastor, it doesn't bother me to have a little nudity. It doesn't bother me to watch, you know, and listen to a little profanity. It doesn't bother me. Now, that's the problem is, is that we are not bothered. Oh, let me just do this. Uh, uh, Craig Rochelle, pastor's life church in, in uh, Oklahoma, he, he wrote a book called Soul Detox. And he said... Um, he said, I was getting ready recently to take my wife to a movie, and he said, so I asked a good friend, and I asked some people, some of my staff members, hey, what's a really great movie to go to? And he said, the guy, the guy that I talked to, first of all, I said, oh, pastor, he said, there's a great movie called The Hangover. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. And he said, you know, it's, it's, it's got a few little words, but, but it's hilarious. You ought to take it. You, you and your wife will love it. He said, I asked a couple of staff members. They said, oh, yeah, pastor, it's got, but you'll, you'll love it. He said, he said, but before I went, now I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit, all right? He said, since I wasn't sure what the hangover was rated, my last checkpoint was a little research to see if this was a movie for the whole family huh, or one for just me and Amy to watch together. What I discovered floored me. According to www.screenit.com, this comedy has more than its fair share of non-family friendly scenes, intense language, and sexual situations. 
The rough spots include 91 variations of the F word. I didn't know you could have different variations of the F word. I guess you use it as a noun, an adjective, and an adverb. <clears throat> 41 excretory words, 14 references to a person's behind, 13 hells, 9 slang terms for the male anatomy. To top it all off, this hilarious movie has 31 versions of taking God's name in vain, not exactly the Baskin-Robbins 30 wonderful flavors I was looking for. Wow. Oh, it doesn't bother me. That's the problem. It's a movie that lasts about 100 minutes, and there's over 90 F words in it. That's one a minute, guys. And, and, and oh, it's funny. I mean, how, how many F words is acceptable? Evidently 90-something for most Christians. Because we paid our money. Here's my question to you. How many F words is acceptable for me to use in this sermon today? One, two, five? I mean, is six over the limit? Or have we come to the place that we have become so open-minded that our brains have fallen out? That, that we have just determined that it doesn't matter. It's, it's, just, it's just a little entertainment. You know, it's just Conway. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just a... I mean, I pull up beside people and my whole car starts jumping. Boom, 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 boom. And I hear stuff coming out, rap singers saying stuff that... I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say to, to guys, let alone in some kind of mixed company. I mean, calling women words that no woman ought to be called misogynistic things i mean i i, I can't even watch the, the the channels that have music on them because they're so filthy and maybe i'm old school today i'm just wondering where we lost it where did we quit being salt and light and all the things that god called us to and we just gave in i mean does anything bother our conscience anymore or, or have we just given up and said, you know what, we're just going to be conformed to the world. We're just going to be, it's, it's okay, God's grace is wonderful, everything's permissible, so I'm just going to do it. Well, let me give you the, the fourth one, because 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, the fourth question is, does it bring glory to God? Can I do it? Sure, I can do it. But does it bring glory to God? I mean, Really? Would, would, would you really want the rapture to take place? If there, I don't know if there is, but if there's going to be something like that, would, would you really want your last breath to be at, at, when, when you're listening or watching some of those kind of things that I just talked about? I, I know it's a different generation. I understand we're in a different world. But should there not still be something in our lives that says, I want to live to glorify God Almighty. I want my life to please the Lord. It's interesting that the world can dedicate themselves to sports. They can dedicate themselves to, to fame. They can dedicate themselves to making money. But when it comes to the church and we ask for dedication, people get offended. 
Well, I can't believe that church down there would require its leadership to do this, that, and the other. I can't believe. And, and I was told when I came to town, you can't build a church in Jackson if you require all the things that you do for leadership. And I just said, wait a minute. I believe that people are wanting to be challenged, that people are wanting to live at a higher level, and I'm going to ask them to make some dedications. Crazy, I guess, but I think it's worked. There's got to come an understanding here in our lives that, that it's not just all black and white issues. It's not just all about what we read in the Word of God that says there are other aspects where we've got to come to a place of saying, wait a minute, am I bringing glory to God Almighty? Because if I am not bringing glory to God, then I'm in trouble. And, and I need to be careful where I go, what I do, how I hang out how I live, whatever it is, I need to bring glory to God. I was talking to a pastor recently, and, and, um, and I said, man, how's things been going? I hadn't seen him in a long time. He said, oh, man, things, things are going great. And we were talking, and he said, uh, you know what? You know, some of the pastors and I in our city, we, we've been meeting together. I said, well, how's that going? He said, well, we, we, we meet down at the local, and, and it was a bar. Okay, y'all preaching to the heathens, I guess. He said, oh, no, we go down there because they've got a good cigar bar. Now, I don't think you'll go to hell, go directly to hell, and do not pass go if you smoke a cigar. I think you'll smell like you've been to hell. <laughs> but I just went, does that glorify God? I mean, would I, would I want to walk in and see my pastor sitting there, you know, with a big old stogie hanging out of his mouth and, you know, tossing one? I mean, I, I don't know. To me, it, it's... I, I'm just old school, right? I'm, I'm just way, way back there somewhere. But I, I think the Word of God calls us to live lives, not just as pastors, but as any believer that says, am I glorifying God in how I live? Well, let me give you the last one. Look in the 11th chapter in the first verse. It's in the same context there. The, the apostle Paul there says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The fifth question to ask yourself is one we're very familiar with. It's four letters, W-W-J-D. What would Jesus do? The Apostle Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I wonder what in our lives that we would do differently if it wasn't just a motto that we wore on a band around our wrist for a few months, but that we really determined, I'm going to live a lifestyle that says, what would Jesus do? I, I tell you what we would do, we would live differently than we live now. We, we would do things a lot differently. T teenagers would be a little bit more careful in how they conduct themselves when mom and dads aren't there in the back seat of the car. Moms and dads would conduct themselves differently when the kiddies aren't around and we're doing things that we know we wouldn't want our kids to know we're doing. Leaders in the house would act differently if we were really doing what Jesus did. Now, I, I know that I, I bear the, the mark this morning of preaching a sermon that people are going to take and say, I can't believe what a negative sermon. I can't believe that some preacher would try to force me into a mold that is so old school. Here's what I'm telling you. 
If I'm going to follow Jesus fearlessly, I've got to dedicate my life to him. Isn't it interesting that people who don't know the true Savior will dedicate themselves at a level that most Christians won't even think about? Isn't it interesting that the Muslim world, that five times a day, that they will find themselves a place and they will bow toward Mecca and it doesn't matter where they are. They are not ashamed. But some of us are so ashamed that we won't even bow our heads and say, Lord, bless this food because we're afraid somebody will see us praying over our food. Isn't it interesting that, that when you call people to a little moderation in their life and to living a life of purity before the Lord, that people call that old school and they call it, I can't believe they preach that. And yet in the Muslim world, they don't drink, they don't do all those things, they cover their women from head to toe. They do all of these things and they do it for a religion that is based on a false God. We know the true God and yet people aren't willing to dedicate themselves to a level that's willing to say, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I, I mean, it it's blows my mind how the church trying to be relevant to our society has thrown out what makes us the difference to our society. If I'm like you, I can't take you somewhere. But if I've gone to a higher level of dedication, then I can reach down and I can pull you up and I can take you somewhere that you haven't gone yet because I've made a dedication in my life to something higher. Pastor, can I do it? Yeah. Paul said, all things are permissible. I can do it. But if I'm really going to be a person who is following Jesus fearlessly, I'm going to make some dedications in my life. And I'm going to do some things in my life just because I want to please Jesus Christ.